The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What is up? Welcome to episode number 369 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined as always by Baseball Writer of the Year nominee, Nick Pollock. Nick, how you doing? How does it feel to be so decorated, huh? What is happening? Yeah, that's a weird thing. Um, no, it's not. Yeah. It's so weird. It's it's super weird. There are so weird? many people that we're just, you know, we're staying on the shoulders of giants. Boring. We're going to skip over the part where Nick is humble because he deserves <laughs> credit. Obviously, a fantastic nominees. I mean, love seeing the love for all the people on FSW, like on Twitter about the FSWA nominees. But I'm not yeah. even going to let you get into the, fo- the, the, the humble stuff. You deserve it. Uh, I'm rooting for you. And congratulations to everyone. One quick thing I want to say, too, like, gosh, we sink so much time into this so it is nice to take a step back every once in a while and be like wow it's it's very nice to be to be you know acknowledged for that effort so congratulations well thank you fast i got it and also huge shout out to the entire podcast network this is the the second year in a row we won last year for best baseball podcast and we got nominated again huge shout out to adam howe uh our producer and uh who runs the entire thing you know him from course from on the wire um, but all the shows on the network, I mean, it's a it's a group uh, nomination. So really cool to see that uh, second time in a row. And uh, and also huge shout out to Jordan White, both research article of the year and article of the year nomination. So unbelievable weighted uh, CSW. So awesome stuff. Um, but yeah, we uh, this is a week, man. We've got PitchCon arriving. I I'll be completely honest with you. I'm most excited about PitchCon because finally I can start talking about the things i want to talk about sure yeah no more embargoes <laughs> yeah i i can i can tell you more about players and stuff than i have right now and i've waited three and a half years to talk about this thing in full and properly that i'm not gonna spoil it 24 hours <laughs> before i reveal it so i'm sorry i'm not gonna mention any more of it but tune in it's at noon on wednesday the 25th um we're doing a two-hour presentation um and I, I can't wait for that. We're introducing what PLV is. And then it's PitchCon. That's four days, 40 hours. It's insane. Um, raising money for the ALS Association. 100% this year. 
We're not taking any cut whatsoever. It's not even proceeds. Everything that you contribute at pitch, uh, pitchless.com slash pitchcon goes straight to the ALS Association. It's a fantastic cause. Um, and uh, we hope that you can help us reach our $10,000 goal and enjoy some baseball for 40 hours and win prizes and come by. So 12 to 10, four days, Wednesday through Saturday this week. What are you what are you looking for? Which one are you looking forward to the most? Which presentation are you looking forward to the most? Uh, I mean, somebody's talking to a player. Uh, that'll be fun. That'll yeah, be fun. That's that's yours fast. You're talking to Paul Seawald. I'm talking to Paul Seawald. That'll be great. He is a very humble, kind human being, and I'm excited for people to get to know him. But aside that, I mean, I'm just looking at the schedule right now. Friday, how do you find breakout players with Chris Clegg, Kimball Crossley, and Chad Young? Looks absolutely fantastic. Um, we were 2024's best rookies, the guys we refused to draft in 2023, Baseball Power Hour with uh, oh, Mr. Man. Govier, you guys, best you baseball guys remember books. Last year, uh, Govier had his, it was a sermon about mm-hmm. oh he had a mic in his hand and he paced back and forth and i had no idea last year what that was going to be just michael j govier put mm-hmm. a form that he wanted to do a presentation about baseball and i said whatever it is go ahead and that was one of the highlights last year i went to him i said can you give me another hour <laughs> <laughs> why not and he said um and i just cannot wait i've got my popcorn ready um that's gonna be an absolute blast. I mean, we have so many things. Uh, Scott Chu is going to go into how to use PLV later on in the conference. Um, drafting the best baseball mascots. I mean, who doesn't want that one? Uh, 2023 preseason power rankings with Randy Wilkins and Sarah Langs. Oh, man. I mean, it's, it's, great it's ones. just, yeah, it's it's four straight days of fun stuff. Um, and you can win a Justin Mason bathing suit. So, <laughs> cannot wait. I'm a little disappointed. He reached out to me and said originally he was going to do an inside the actor's studio with me about triplex. And I guess that didn't make the cut. I guess that didn't make the cut. But listen, uh, that's all we're here to talk about today. It's what we're going to be talking about the remainder of the week. So let's get to the content for today, which is going to be the uh, 30 through 40 or 31 through 40. Excuse yes. me. Uh, of Nick's 30, top though, 100. Because it I is, screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't want to say you screwed up, but these lists are fluid. They're what we call living documents in the biz. Um, and there's a lot of names to get through. Now, if you're, you're thinking, oh, my God, I can't wait to find out who 31 through 40 is. Well, guess what? That comes out tomorrow, you dingus, or it comes out very soon this week. you got all the pitching content you need. Between these two podcasts and PitchCon, you guys are going to be like over inundated with baseball content for the remainder oh, yeah. of the week. Um, but you, you hit the nail on the head already. We had a swap that occurred. Uh, oh, interesting. There was a little bit of a trade that just happened, too, that's coming in live oh, really? right now. Nothing too nuts. Um, uh-huh. Michael A. Taylor from the Royals oh, yeah, uh, is heading over to Mil- uh, Minnesota. So they're staying active, Minnesota. Yeah. Um, uh, who are they getting back? It's not an, it came out 20 seconds ago, so it hasn't been announced who else is coming in the trade. We'll keep an eye on that. I guess we should, Nick. Uh, we're not going to get to him in today's cast, but any quick hits on the Pablo Lopez move to Minnesota? Uh, honestly, there really isn't much to say. Um, I'll go more into Pablo Lopez in our next podcast. Sorry, he's not inside the top 40. Uh, but moving from Miami to Minnesota. And yeah, I need to update the uh, the plus pitch podcasts um, with both Minnesota and the Marlins because of it. And I will do that. Um, but it's not much of a difference, say, for win potential for Pablo Lopez goes up. There is some slight concern that the twins will limit Pablo a touch 
They've been doing this with their pitchers and not letting them go a uh, third time to the lineup. They've been more uh, accepting for Joe Ryan to do it. And Pablo Lopez does fit more of the mold that you would limit third time to the lineup because he is mostly fastball changeup. While Joe Ryan has a really good fastball, but the sliders coming together, curveball, that kind of stuff too. And it does make it seem like he should be better third, th- third time to the lineup than Pablo Lopez would be. So I am a touch concerned about that. Um, overall, though, I think the win chance does go up. I mean, it's Minnesota, not Miami. And really, the bigger implications are in Miami about uh, Edward Cabrera and Trevor Rogers being more locked into that rotation with Jesus Lazardo, Sandy Alcantara, and then kind of figure out what maybe Braxton Garrett gets an opportunity or mm. maybe Sixto Sanchez is okay. But honestly, it's Johnny Cueto is the fifth one right now. But I mean, now we were worried about Cueto coming in, knocking out Rogers um, or Cabrera. Both of those look like more stable options now. Okay, so let's jump in then to the new number 30 as Lance Lynn has moved further down the list and been dethroned by Freddie Peralta. So Freddie Peralta, a lot of people obviously thought there were going to be some steps forward for him coming into the 2022 season, but uh, a purely injury mired season as he ends the year with 78 innings pitched. Um, so, you know, even it comes, even though it comes with a three, five, eight ERA, which doesn't really hurt you. The fact that he was just back and forth on the IL all the time or on the IL so much kind of did hurt you. The velo lower for majority of the season when he did pitch, but a slight uptick back to 93 miles an hour at the end of the year. Uh, now it seems that if this ranking of 30 is here, what you're, you're not too concerned about the, the injury or what's your thought here? So actually, I went back and um, redid really 25 and down hmm. to group, as I promised last podcast, to put the injured guys together. So I have it now as 28, 29, 30 of Glasnow, Severino, Peralta, because I do feel they're all in the same bucket of if they go 150 innings, they will outperform this spot in the rankings. But we have these massive concerns about how much they're going to pitch in 2023. Um, as you'll see, I have a secondary grouping also of injured guys and, and or volume. And normally I just bucket them all together. But I felt that there are a couple that should be sandwiched in between these two mini injury tiers. And Peralta's at the end of this one. Peralta's just been really good, honestly. Every time he pitches, he's really great. He came back um, and, and was in relief mostly. But the last game of the season on October 2nd, Freddie Peralta went four innings, 55 pitches, and just dominated the Marlins exactly as Freddie Peralta does. It is such a good heater. I I don't really care too much about 92.5 versus 93.5. With it, obviously, there was a dip in swing strike rate this past year. But I think that was more of a command thing um, as the zone rate went down from 52% to 44%. And if that does get more in the zone, then everything is fine. Uh, he's really good. That slider was a game changer for him. It's just about how many innings you're going to get. The Brewers seem like they want to have Peralta starting the entire season as long as they'll let him, or as long as his body will let him, I should say. So I really like Peralta in the same vein that I do Tyler Glasnow and Luis Severino. I'm trying to see right now. So he had one relief appearance. Um, just one, or I guess it was shortened starts then. Uh, when he pitched only two innings a couple times in September. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess it was it was two innings, two innings as starts, quote unquote, and then a relief of 34 pitches of 
so if I do this correctly, then uh, if I remove, oh, I, I switched this, uh, 2776.3. If we remove the uh, one and two thirds relief appearance in his penultimate appearance, the ERA goes from 358 to 318 as a <laughs> starter, which is very interesting because he pitched for one and two thirds innings and gave up four earned runs thanks right. to a, a home run with a few strikeouts there. So that is kind of interesting, but. I don't know. I mean, it is an interesting tiering for sure. I think my hesitancy is while I Glasnow, obviously the injury concern is just prevalent, right? He just, he's never right. going to go 140 innings. Luis Severino can do that. Uh, but I think we've seen both of those guys repeat. And I don't know if we've seen Freddie Peralta repeat over the case of a full season. Cause the close to four ERA a few years ago, obviously the breakout year. And then, you know, who knows if we want to, consider the 78 innings pitched, you know, where to go from there. So I don't know. Is there any concern that, you know, maybe he might not be able to put together and that was just kind of a flash in the bucket season? You know what's crazy for me? Freddie Peralta has not allowed more than 20% hard contact in this season. Ever. Ever. Hmm. <laughs> That's unbelievable. I mean, that to me is his hit per nine, 2020, 2021, and 2022, all underneath seven. This is what he does. Uh, he strikes guys out. He's incredibly hard to hit. Um, and it's really just about volume. If you give me 180 innings of Freddie Peralta, he's a top 10 pitcher. That's how sure. good he is. And I know the walk rate is high, but that doesn't affect his whip. Um, 0.97 in that breakout year, uh, 1.04. Sure, 116, you want to say, in the 29 innings of 2020. Um, but that's how good Freddie Peralta is with his fastball slider curve. That's why I, I really do want to put him at 30 here. I do wonder if he will get capped, though, coming out of 78 innings on a Milwaukee team that is a little bit quick to go to their... Absolutely. Oh, no, I, yeah. I, I don't I don't expect 180 from mm -hmm. Freddie Pro. I'd be really shocked if he did. Yeah. I'm just I'm just trying to give you guys an idea of the quality we're talking about. Um, what I'd be happy with if I have him, have him down here at 30, if I get 150 innings of Freddie Peralta, I'd be thrilled with this because I think the quality of inning here is phenomenal. And it's going to do wonders for your team. But it's, it's really tough. I mean, I think anyone would say the same about Tyler Glasnow going 150 innings. Mm -hmm. uh, Luis Severino going 150. And you'll see also yeah. in the other injured tier, we're going to talk about in a second, there's Clayton Kershaw, 150 innings. That would be wonderful. I think there's a little bit more of a, I mean, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think more of 120, 130 is the hope for Clayton mm -hmm. Kershaw at this point. Uh, so it, it's difficult. I mean, volume is the hardest thing for us to do. I'm trying to group them in the talent versus volume um, as best as I can. And we'll see what we get from Freddie Peralta this year. All right. So then, you know, that's actually a perfect segue into uh, the next picture that we want to talk about here coming in at number 31. And that's Framber Valdez, right? Because this is kind of the epitome of what you just said, where there's can be a good amount of bulk, right? We saw 200 innings out of him last year, 201 and a third to be exact with, uh, you know, the, a top 20 ERA, 2.82 ERA, uh, obviously elite at getting ground balls. The hard contact isn't fantastic, but it seems like all of those pitches are just buried into the ground. Um, I want you to, I want to hear your thoughts a little bit about putting him after the injury tier, because theoretically, if he can accrue 200 innings again and does it with the same K rate, he's giving you great ratios or he's giving you a very good ERA, an okay whip, but 200 
strikeouts theoretically over about 200 plus innings uh what are your thoughts there yeah i struggle with this so much um framber valdez is a really tough one to rank and so is logan webb and i really went back and forth on logan webb versus framber valdez because what i think we just saw was the better end of framber valdez and the worst end of logan webb Mm. um 201 innings if you get that again wonderful everyone's gonna say oh yeah that's that's what you get with framber valdez it was 134 in 2021 it's not just a given that Framber Valdez goes 200 innings. Um, his hit per nine is comfortably over seven. He allows a decent amount of hits. Why? Because he has high ground ball rates. What happens? Um, the walk rate is the questionable thing for me. 8% last year was better than the 10%. Is it staying there now? Is it going to go back up a bit? Uh, the sinker gets hit pretty hard. Uh, the curveball is great to both sides of the plate. I still don't buy the sinker being that amazing. 40% hard contact last year is not good, but it's mostly in the ground. Just a 10% fly ball rate on that sinker, right? So it opens the door for volatility, if you ask me, where I'm really happy that he had a 2.82 ERA last year. I'm thrilled about that. The 116 whip, it could be worse. It could be... Uh, a few more hits here and there if he keeps letting the hard contact. The ERA could come up with it if the 76% left on base rate turns into 71%, uh, 72. There's uh, This is a season we just saw for Famber where it feels like this is the peak unless he fixes the sinker, which he hasn't really over the years. So that, uh, that, that begins my hesitancy about him where the other guys we've talked about with volume of 200 innings or so, it's where the ERA and the whip are better than this. Hmm. And that that's the biggest pushback I have against Framber Valdez. I debated heavily with Logan Webb because Logan Webb, I actually think, should have a better whip than, uh, than Framber Valdez because I think he actually should have more strikeouts than Framber Valdez. I think Logan Webb's slider last year didn't perform nearly as well as it should. He missed away and off the plate from right-handers far too often, much more frequently than he normally should, had fewer strikes on the pitch. It swings strike rate went from 22% down to 13%. And to me, that is a huge, huge deal where if he just gets into some rhythm with that slider again, Logan Webb could turn back into a 24-25% striker. I actually genuinely do believe that that is inside him. In 148 innings in 2021, Logan Webb did have a 26 to 27% strikeout rate. So I don't think he's going to repeat the sub 21% rate again. I think there is more to be had with Logan Webb. The reason Logan Webb's behind Framber Valdez is because the Houston Astros defense is better. That's the one aspect we overrated uh, for the Giants this past year. We thought this would be a better defense for him. It wasn't. The hit per nine went up over eight for Logan Webb, thus the 116 whip, but he only walked 6%. And when it comes to getting ground balls on sinkers, well, let me tell you, 70% ground ball rate and 10% fly ball rate on the sinker. It's the same thing as Framber Valdez's. So it's just about uh, Logan Webb getting more out of that, uh, that slider and being a more effective pitcher. While I think the third option for Logan Webb is better. That is his changeup versus uh, Valdez's cutter. Um, also has a little bit of a changeup too. The, the curveball is better for Framber Valdez. I'm not going to lie about that one. It's an amazing yes. curveball. So yeah. th- th- that's where I'm at with all of these. Um, it's a really tough one. I'm curious how you feel fast. 
Well, there's a few things. I mean, we, we kind of hopped around to both pitchers there, so I want to make sure I, I, I get a few thoughts out. One, for Framber Valdez, um, there's a few things that come to mind. One, how significantly will a lack of shifting um, impact a ground ball pitcher, right? A guy ah, who's got a 70% a ground ball rate. Um, I, this was one of those CSW things that kept me up at night where I fell down a rabbit hole on baseball savant and did a small thread on Twitter about, um, the highest percentage of all batted balls when an infield shift was on a high, excuse me, higher percent of batted balls that were ground balls when an infield shift was on. And then the highest mm-hmm. percentage of just ground balls hit with an infield, uh, shift that really impacted, um, the Dodgers, but, Valdez wasn't top 10 in either of those lists. So it didn't seem like a majority of his ground balls were going to shifts. Um, I am not as concerned about the hard contact because this always cracks me up. I, you know, I, you guys should be using the uh, picture list player pages because they really have every piece of information that you need. And one of those pieces of information is the average launch angle uh, on oh, Framber yeah. Valdez's uh, sinker. The league average uh, launch angle on sinkers, let me just pull up the page right here, is, where did it go? Uh, Seven. Seven uh, is the league average launch angle on sinkers, which makes sense, right? Uh, Guys can get under it a little bit, drive it. Uh, Framber Valdez is is negative five and a half. (laughs) Like, they just drive it into the ground. So to be honest, the hard contact is mitigated there because this has been uh, something that he has clearly shown that he is able to repeat year in and year out. Um, the injury thing, I mean, the, the innings thing, it's anyone's guess, but I, I think he's going to be able to 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 um, to sustain that. When it comes to Logan Webb, I actually like the ranking of Framber Valdez over Logan Webb. And to be honest, I'm thinking I might even put Logan Webb further down. He seemed to make a fundamental change to his slider last year that impacted the amount of whiffs that he's getting. I don't think it was the fact that he was missing. I think it was that he changed some of the properties of the pitch. He added more uh, gyro to the pitch, which uh, dropped the amount of sweep that was there and theoretically made it a tighter um, slider. I was talking about this with someone on Twitter a little while ago. It became a more league average sweeping slider. And that's the last thing you want any of your pitches to be is more league average because it just means that guys are seeing it more often, especially in a day and age when people are throwing more um, sliders. I thought it was interesting that he's you know, he had this big swing strike rate drop. The pitch used to be very effective against lefties. It was not effective against lefties last year at all. As the Woba jumped jumped up about over 100 points. As you mentioned, he started going glove side to it a lot more, which in my mind, if I'm saying, oh, good, I've got a righty guy throwing a slider, you know, I want him to throw it glove side more. I want him out of the zone a little bit more to try and get those whiffs. And it didn't, it didn't happen at all. Um, he also allowed more contact overall. Uh, and like, like you said, you know, a lot of that contact turned into fly balls as opposed to ground balls, but he increased the hard contact overall. The Woba jumped up over overall. So this is where it gets difficult, right? We have to try and project what a pitcher is going to do. And we have no idea what the changes are that they are going to make, right? If Logan Webb tweaks that slider to return to the form that he had it in 2021, I fully agree with you, right? He could get the whiffs on it, but if he doesn't and he sticks with the slider that he has, which he theoretically could, because messing with one pitch means messing with the arsenal, then I don't know. This could be the guy that is, that is kind of here to stay. Yeah, that those are all great points. Um, going on to the uh, the launch angle stuff of sinkers, 
It was actually negative 5.5 for Logan Webb's sinker in 2021, if you can believe Wait, it. Wait, Valdez or, or Webb? No, Logan Webb. He matched it. Uh, really? In 2021. But it was negative 3.7 this past year. Still, same amount of uh, grounders and, and fly balls and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're incredibly comparable. Um, that's a really great point about the slider. Maybe I am having a little more faith in that slider returning than uh, I should be. I mean, I have Valdez ahead of Webb yeah. as of right now. Um, but th- I think they're very even. That's why I have them back to back here. I There are some other volume guys that I initially paired these two with. Uh, Chris Bassett and um, Logan Gilbert. Yeah. I like both of these better. Uh, because I do think that their breaking stuff is a little better, as well as having those power sinkers that prevent home runs. Yeah. And while we saw the dead end ball last year, there is an idea that it's going to be the Goldilocks ball more often, um, which will then put some emphasis on, hey, I like these ground ball pitchers for that. But there is the sacrifice, of course, of having the higher whip, as you mentioned, the um, the shift being gone. So to me, it's less about Framber Valdez versus Logan Webb. It's about where do I place those two guys relative to the rest of the field? Yeah. And that's really the biggest takeaway I think everyone should have of my rankings is I'm, I like to group similar pitchers together on purpose. I hate being scattered about it. Like here's this, you know, if I put like Framber Valdez at 26 and then Webb at 33, it would just feel wrong because they're just so similar to me. Yeah. So, it's about who, what kind of guy do you want more? Do you want this higher floor in, in many aspects of more volume? Uh, but you're not going to have the same ceiling of ERA, whip, and strikeouts as you would of with a glass now, as you would with maybe with even with a Lance Lynn um, or even some, some other guys are going to be after them. So I sandwiched them in between. I thought it was the most well rounded thing um, to do that. And I haven't given a name to this tier fast. Oh, yeah. Well, listen, I want to get the name for the tier, but I also want to ask you a really important question about this arsenal. And we're going to do that as soon as we get back. Fast, I gave you a segue for the ad. and You're like, you know what? I like your segue and I'm going to ignore it and do a different one. Thanks. Are we? Well, you cut me off two episodes ago. And so I knew I had to jump in. It's a vendetta of two episodes old. Yeah, exactly. This is what happens? Yeah. I... Talked about two episodes ago. <laughs> I can't do too high to be honest. Uh, oh, so you need when, when did the tier begin? So I can give you a new tier name. Well, it was there's a mini tier with these two. Okay, just for Logan Webb and and uh, Framber Valdez. Framber Valdez. So the the theme, as you said, yeah. segue. The theme is modes of transportation. Modes of transportation. Yeah. Uh, it is your seventeenth uh, birthday car. It will get the job done. You'll have an affinity for it. But you know it's not going to be the shiny toy. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. Uh, The one last thing that I wanted to kind of hear your thoughts on, one thing that was interesting that I noticed about Logan Webb, we already talked about how the slider went glove side a lot more, right? Yeah. So righty pitcher, I would think slider goes glove side a lot more, introduce a little less sweep to it. That's fine. You would want the sinker probably to go arm side a bit more, get that really nice east west, you know, maybe the good tunneling there of not being, you know, guys not being able to choose which corner he's going to pick. The sinker also went glove side a lot. It seems like he really wanted to backdoor um righties with that sinker. Do you think that's a 
effective? I mean, I, I just don't We've know how seen I feel it work that. before. I, I think mm. Webb has done that a lot. Uh, Aaron Nola does that all day. Mm. I mean, but with the, yeah, yeah, that's what he does. He doesn't go arm side with his sinker. And when you have as much lateral movement that Logan Webb has, it that works. So I'm okay with it. Okay. All right. Um, well, let's move on then to uh, the next guy on the list. This is this list is just full of. What are we going to do with these people? Um, yeah. it, it's it's number thirty three. It's Clayton Kershaw. Now Kershaw is the tier fast. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's a new tier. It's a new tier. I apologize. Mine, what is man, the name of this tier? Are. What's the name of this tier? It is spring training forever. I know. God, jeez. <laughs> oh, no. It's January 23rd. Uh, all right. I was oh, waiting to see how early it would come out. Um, what is this tier? Uh, so I think it's about three or four guys. Um, this is the uh, the auto shop. No, no. I'm sorry. The, the Carl. The Carl. Carl. Car salesman pitch. Okay. Which is they're slapping it on. You can get a good 130 innings out of this guy. <laughs> That's what this tier is called. All right. I like that. Uh, and that is, uh, you know, there's no one more truer than for that than, than Clayton Kershaw. So, you know, you kind of know what you're going to get, right? Like you're going to get 110 to 140 innings at most. You're going to get a near or sub one whip. You're going to get a K rate that maybe theoretically could be on the decline, but will still likely be above or at 25%. Um, I noticed, so the, I, I saw something interesting where the the Woba on his four-seamer, this is a man who has a 15-year career. It was the lowest of his career last year. How are you going to be putting up the lowest career Woba at, at in your age that's 15 that. year? That's unbelievable. Oh, that's but cool. he made it more contact dependent which i thought was really mm. interesting he had a sub four swinging strike rate on it which is the lowest of his career 27 hard uh 27 hard contact also the lowest since 2019 so he said you know what i'm just gonna throw this four seamer you can't hit it uh or you can't put good wood on it you can maybe make contact with it but you're not gonna be able to do anything with it and the slider was you know his slider it's fantastic 23 percent swing strike rate pitch um with you know all the other properties seeming to remain as well is there is this is this it is this maybe the year where the era goes up a little bit and the k's drop a little bit because he's getting more contact dependent on the four seamer or he's been steady eddie for 15 years you know you're only getting 120 innings but who cares you want to know why Kling kershaw had his best woba on his four seamer why take a guess uh, I would say because the way he located the pitch, he was able to get guys to either get under it or get over it a lot. Right. So you're thinking of like pitches that would normally be home runs were not home runs. Sure. Right. Or guys just can't uh, square it up because they might be sitting slider. Yeah, yeah. yeah sure, sure. Um, same amount of home runs allowed on the pitch last year in 2022 as it was in 2021. Um, nearly the same amount of doubles, nearly the same amount of singles. He had 12 strikeouts on 658 four-seamers in 2021, 28 in 2022. There's your hmm. difference. Oh, the put-away rate? A, well, the put-away rate wasn't even that great. Uh, it was 18%. Uh, he didn't even really use it that much more in two-strike counts. It was up to 20%. When you think of like two-strike count pitches, it's like 30 40% or so. Hmm. 20% isn't really that much. But he just happened to get more strikeouts on it, which is kind of interesting. 
I don't know if I buy the Woba change, though. I don't buy that those extra strikeouts are something that's, oh, this is clearly what's going to uh, stick around uh, moving forward. The, the high lock was pretty much the same. I mean, a little bit better. But it just didn't seem like, oh, yeah, Clint Kershaw's going to get a ton more strikeouts now in four seamers. But honestly, the slider is just still ridiculous. Yeah. And he's so good. I, I say it every year. It doesn't feel like opening day until Clayton Kershaw pitches. As of right now, he's supposed to. Um, that's really good. We expect him to have a back injury at some point. 22 starts in two straight years now. But, I mean, it's one of those things that you you draft a guy and you get value in some way. You get production in the bank in some fashion. There are a lot of guys that will go 100 innings, 130, and you don't know if that's going to be beneficial or not. It's going to be beneficial having Clayton Kershaw pitch for your team. Yeah. And there's something heavily valuable about it. I was really tempted to put him into the other um, crew of Glasnow and Severino and Peralta. I think we can all agree that they all have a higher inning ceiling than yeah. uh, Kershaw does. Yeah. And I needed to make that distinction. So I did this. And I thought it was also a really fun uh, juxtaposition of Webb and Valdez versus Kershaw as well. I should also mention we're talking about these previous seasons for Kershaw, but we all know it gets worse. We even thought in some world maybe he was going to retire, you know, yeah, this yeah. past year, right? Yeah. Or he so, was going to be in Texas or something. Crazy. Yeah. So it, with all of that in mind, it's not this assumption that, oh, sure, 121 and 126 innings last two years for Kershaw. Now he's going to go off and do 150. It's like, no, it could just be 100, right? Uh, it could be something way less. So, that has to be included as well. Um, but whatever he does give you, wonderful. Definitely someone to monitor in spring training, read all the quotes, see how he's doing, making sure he's pitching out of the gate. Pitching out of the gate is a huge positive because you aren't hurt yet. And the more innings <laughs> that you pitch that you aren't hurt, the better, right? It's not like he's starting the year as of right now on the IL. And that would obviously impact him even further. So that's good news. Um, and it could be just like a Rich Hill situation. Like some years Rich Hill just also throws like 130. You're like, what? All right, great. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. You know? Uh, so I hope it works out for Kershaw. I don't know if I'm going to have him on many teams, but I, I, he's going to help whatever team he's on. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what league benefits most from him. Right. Cause like, obviously it would not I'm, be I'm, a head to head. It would not be it, a head to head. It would not be because I don't, I think the faith of him lasting in September is, is harder than others yeah i genuinely think the dodgers are like oh good we've got the division wrapped up you're going on the il like yeah or well yeah dodgeritis um yeah yeah roto leagues i would say he's most helpful in. yeah obviously if there's no il spots there's no point um all right so let's move on then to number 34 we went into lance lynn in our last podcast so you can do a fuller breakdown in that last episode but at least give us some insight as to why he was uh, moved down to 34 he was more of just weighing in the ability and volume expectations. And I didn't feel he deserved to be with Severino and Glasnow and Peralta ultimately. Um, I said that I was going to really think about it. And I was originally actually had Kershaw and Lynn all right there. So he was a 32 or so. Um, but I needed again to put Valdez and, uh, and Webb in the middle. So welcome to all right. Portland. Let's, I'm I'm kind of excited about this next person. I did I did some research into him today, and I'll get to that in a little bit. But 35 is Blake Snell, and I wrote in my little blurb here 
and hear me out first because this isn't go ahead. This is a little insane, but like in many ways, he's Clayton Kershaw only in the fact that we know we're only getting 120 innings out of him. But while Clayton Kershaw, we know what we're getting in terms of ERA, whip, <laughs> and and strikeouts. Blake Snell is just a dart, right? I mean, like they, he's he just seems like he's such a tinkerer to me, and that truly terrifies me. I mean, even last season, right? Comes into the season, he's throwing a few more changeups. He's got an interesting mix of four seam slider, curveball. Then the middle of the season comes around, he gets rid of the changeup. It's just four seam slider curveball. And then for a majority of the second half, I would say for about two thirds of the second half, he's just going four seam slider and he's extremely effective. Now, any other pitcher, I would think, oh, that's what he's going to go with next year. But like you said last year, when you talked to him on his Twitch stream, you're like, What's going on with that changeup? He's like, yeah, that's coming back. It's just like we, we don't know. We don't know what what we're gonna get, and that like absolutely terrifies me. Do you agree with that assessment? No, <laughs> no. You think you think he's gonna stick and be four seam slider no matter what? Do you realize that uh, from July first on, uh, across ninety three innings, he threw sub four percent changeups. No, I know the changeup was gone in the second half. 100%. It was really just two games that he yeah. actually that he had a changeup usage above ten percent. Um, yeah, but what I'm saying is he might not repeat that. No, he I might, think he, he will. It was only five games of the year, five games, first five games that was coming back from injury, mm-hmm. where the changeup was present in any fashion. And I'm talking like nine point five percent, six point seven percent, seventeen, seven point four, thirteen. That's mm-hmm. all I'm talking about. And after that, it was 4%, 4%, 2%, 3%. You know, it yeah. was pretty much gone after that, which is fine. I have no problem with like three or four pitches as a changeup. Sure. Knock yourself out. Have a field yeah. day. Okay. But when it it's a 17% game that drives me crazy. And the way I see it too is that you don't forget Snell was hurt to start the year. Mm-hmm. And that's really what impacted his innings. Came back on uh, May 18th. So really missed a month. Uh, and... Pretty much started regularly after that. Um, he was an absolute stud in those 93 innings since uh, July 1st. Uh, 2.53 ERA, 1.11 whip, 35% K rate, mm-hmm. 8% walk rate, 16% overall swinging strike rate. Okay, I do need to mention 83% left on base rate, sub 10% home run fly ball rate, but a 307 bab at the hotel, of course, Holy Trinity equating luck. I think Blake Snell... His stuff is way better than I think I've been giving it credit. And I, I can't I look at the the rankings or the, the opportunity of pitchers at this point below him of actually becoming legitimate top 15 starters. And it gets it gets really hard to find. Hmm. And then you have someone who did it for the majority of their season last year. And it makes you wonder, right. This guy is actually really, really good. Do I think he's going to have volatility again? Absolutely. Blake Snell is going to have volatility. He's also at 35. He's not at 15. Mm-hmm. You're going to see volatility from a lot of guys. Um, you're going to have those games where it just doesn't work out and he gets frustrated and it's bad. But it's a ton of Ks. 32% strike every last year. 31% in 2021. 31% mm-hmm. in 2020. The health is obviously the major thing. So 128 innings last year. 128 innings in 2021 can he stay healthy i love the fact that it was continuous health last year right when he did return it was health as opposed to it getting segmented through the year 
So that's what has me pushing him up to this point. I have him inside of the injury tier on purpose as well. Yep. yep. As you mentioned with Kershaw, there's Lynn, there's Snell. There's actually the next one is the last one in that injury tier. Um, I can see people saying, I don't want to touch it. It's too much of a headache. I get it completely. 9.5% yeah. lock rate last year. I get it. I, I, I mean, I really don't have a pushback on that. And maybe, you know, you want to have him 40, 45. Sure. <laughs> I just see a guy with that good of talent, that good um, of ceiling at this point, um, who still had a 338 ERA with all that stuff last year. And uh, oh, about believe over 150 strikeouts in that time, 171 yeah, despite 178. Uh, sorry, 128 innings. I'm going to go for that. It's funny we joked about this with I think Aaron Nola, but uh, it, Snell is another guy that we're almost guaranteed a four ERA this season because he's done it every <laughs> other season of his career. It's literally yeah, right. gone three four one four three four three, and then guess what's next? If you like patterns, it's probably a four. Um, Fred is the same way, so it's going to be a bad one for him. That's true. I mean, I'm being a little facetious there, but I, I do think though that does point to a level of volatility though, that like, that's what scares me, right? It's yeah. like, you know, you're getting 120 innings. Like, you know, you're not getting 150 because he hasn't done that since 2018. Um, so is it, oh, put it this way, you know, you're getting 120 innings and you know, you are getting K's. I have no disagreement there, but you could get a whip that could really hurt you. And you could get an ERA that could really not be great. So, I mean, we're on the same page. We agree that, like, I think it's just where we fall on the fence. It's like, I'm yeah. I'm more risk averse. So I'm like, I just don't. I, 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 understand. I can't do it. I mean, there are a lot of guys um, after this little mini injury tier that are safer. Yeah. And I could see myself just in my draft saying, you know what? At this point, I want to take the safer one. I get it. That's why these rankings, as I say every year, are not verbatim straight down the list, take this guy. And I try as much as I can to articulate that. I apologize for just cracking my knuckles <laughs> into the mic. Um, but it's it's hard to articulate in a cheat sheet. But that's mm. just kind of how it is. And if you are not the kind of person that wants to take that chance, great. Go get Chris Bassett. Awesome. Yeah. Oh. Um, even even right. though the fences are coming in and all this. Ah. Yeah, that is kind of nuts. There's a lot of fence changes. So what? There's changes in New York, Detroit, and Toronto, uh, which is kind of interesting. Um, And I'll let the uh, the nerdy people break down for us what smarter people. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Because I am a nerd, so I don't know why I said that. Um, (laughs) Let's move to the final person in this tier, number thirty-six, Jesus Lazardo, coming off (laughs) coming (laughs) off a career high, a hundred innings, which kind of cracks me up. But uh, very, very good innings, right? I mean, he he drops that four seam usage down. It's the first time we've seen him throw more curveballs than four seamers, um, I believe, since he was coming in in relief. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I know this is a guy that you really fell in love with at points last year and 36 is, I don't want you 36 doesn't mean you're totally in love with him, but you might be a little high on him. Um, what are you thinking about Jesus Azardo? I mean, yeah, 332 ERA last year, 104 whip, 30% strikeout rate. Uh, it's just about staying healthy to me. Um, there are three aspects of getting hyped about Luzardo. Fastball velocity was up in the beginning of the season. 97 we saw early on and then he got hurt and came back it was more like 96 but that's still higher than the 95 and change that we saw in 2022 that's one two curveball was excellent in the beginning and then it came back in the end and that was a filthy filthy offering for him uh 33 csw on that one and the changeup, oh boy 26 percent swinging strike rate on his changeup. 
Mm-hmm. And there you go. That uh, That's why he was able to have a 30% strikeout rate, uh, 9% walk rate. And again, health, also benefit of Snell, why I have him ranked above. I mean, multiple reasons, but a big one. Padres versus the Marlins means win chances, and win chances should not be ignored. Thank you, Rob Silver uh, from First Pitch Arizona. Um, so I, I I want to lean more in Luzardo. I think there might be a higher chance of him going more innings than, uh, than Snell. I, but yeah, the three-pitch mix is great. I think the fastballs are getting better. It's still slightly a weak point for him. There are times when the sinkers work really well um, and the four-seamers too, but there are times that those are also the the problems for him. But give me a healthy season of Lizardo, and oh my lord, you have, or I should say Lorsch, uh, a wonderful, wonderful breakout season en route for Jesus Lizardo. Yeah, it's, it's it's uh you know, it's kind of what we've been talking about where it's, that's why it's a tier fast. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like you said, and he can. It's appropriately named because they could definitely make you cry with all the IL stints. But it, it it's tough to it's tough to not look at it and see the increased velo and just really want to fall in love with it too. Another benefit to him is just a balanced schedule, right? Like I love that he's not facing the Mets and and mm-hmm. Atlanta uh, all yes, the time. So much for the NL easy, right? Yeah, exactly. Those were the days. Those were the days. Uh, not that we really need to be worried about the Nationals or anything. Um, but yeah, he's he's another guy that, you know, it's I, I understand exactly the logic behind the rankings here. And I think it does make a lot of sense. Although, to be honest, I think you could make an argument that Lance Lynn might be at the bottom of this tier solely because I think you can definitely make an argument that like Snell had it would have an higher higher upside jesus Cesardo probably could have a higher upside um but it's all really interchangeable no i understand that i think what we talked about last week was the 8.8 hit per nine coming down yeah uh, for lance lynn and thus the whip being stellar four percent walk rate um and i think there's just a better chance of ratios for lance lynn that makes sense innings that makes um, sense we've got yeah. we've got four remaining uh and we're going to find out who they are after this break all right, we're back. Yeah, I, I <laughs> there the the things you the, the things we talk about in our breaks and the things you guys think we talk about in our breaks. Oh just, yeah, it's a totally different reality. That's all right. That's okay. <laughs> That's good stuff. Uh, I want to get to number thirty-seven because this is a guy that I am kind of interested in. I didn't think I would be, but the more that I dug. Um, the more I was like, oh, maybe there is an interesting step forward here. Mm. Um, I want to hear your thoughts on him first. Tell no, me what you think I about wanna, Joe I want to hear, uh, you, you, share what you found on Joe okay. Ryan. So uh, Ryan, Joe Ryan and I have a, you know, an interesting history. Obviously I had that fun bet with Paul Spore that and, I thought he was going to have a plus yeah. four ERA. Right. And he has uh, two first names. So we immediately don't trust him. Exactly. Now I will say if that bet was just second half, I would have won, but he had a 299 mm. ERA in the first half and a 414 ERA in the second half. Overall, at the beginning of the year, he amped up the slider usage. And I was like, man, let's go. I mean, I think it was the start against Boston where he had like, was it 11 or 15? It was a lot of whiffs. It was 11 whiffs on the slider. I think it was the second start of the year, right? And I knew that because of the pitch list player pages. There it is, right? I see it right now. Yeah, 11 on the slider. (laughs) And I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be wrong. And this is why I'm going to be wrong. Because I underestimated the fact that he could just take that slider, which is good, and pairs with the four-seamer, which is excellent. And throw it a lot. Uh, and then he just didn't after that. Like he he didn't get the whiffs and he didn't really increase the usage. Um, 
then I realized I was looking at his uh, his his movement profile page on uh, Brooks Baseball, and he really changed the slider. Mm-hmm. He really kind of changed it to a sweeper, and it really happened in the last couple of starts of the year. I believe like it happened in August and September. I don't remember the exact date. And if I also recall correctly, they hired a new pitching coach. I think someone on Twitter mentioned that. I don't know if that's exactly true, but I think that's the case. Um, and the reason I get excited about that is like. It's difficult to have a pitcher change a uh, a pitch midseason, right? There's just so much Absolutely. going on, and yeah. you're throwing bullpens, and unless something is really, really not unless it's May twenty third, two thousand and nineteen, oh when Jamison Tyone <laughs> yeah. added his slider with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yes, there you go. Now the last <laughs> two the last two words of that sentence are the most important: Pittsburgh Pirates, because yeah. he's with a team that's uh, that's going to let him do that because. <laughs> You know, they're not going to win anyway. Um, but I like to see when a pitcher changes something like that at the end of the year, because to me, it indicates this is what they might want to do going forward. Right. Mm-hmm. The example that I have is Julio Urias and the kind of curveball slider mix that he had in the last month of the season, one of the last starts of the year, a couple of years ago, he made a, a big change and that stuck into the next year. The pitch, I believe, returned more whiffs. It wasn't like perfect. I think it was a little erratic because he introduced it so late. But that pitch, that slider, I think could be the key theoretically to keep him more consistent and unlock a kind of another tier of swing and miss for him. Like if that slider is effective, if he can get that sweeper to be really effective, I don't see why he can't jump up to a 26, 27% K rate. Um, I don't see why he can't maintain some of the benefits that he had in the first half. Like, sure, he's not a 4.99 ERA, a 2.99 ERA guy. But like, listen, I don't think it's out of the question for him to be a 3-4 ERA with a 26% K rate if that slider sticks. And right now, he's he's kind of free. I mean, like the last time I checked the NFBC ADP, he was outside of the top 100 for sure. Um, he was low enough where it was like, man, if the slider works, he could be great. And if it doesn't, it doesn't matter for where you're drafting him. So if I look at the December ADP, he's the 145th pick off the board uh, overall. So top 100 pitcher for sure, but 145th overall. So what round is that? You're the you're the good math guy. Oh, that's about the twelfth round in twelve teamers. That's about the twelfth round, right? Yeah, because twelve times twelve is one forty four. Smart. Um, that's nice. That is good. So I don't know, man. Twelfth round, the 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 floor seems kind of good, and the ceiling theoretically for someone young like him could be a little bit higher. I think I might be in on Joe Ryan. What do you think? I think you should lead these more than me. Um. <laughs> I, I'm a fan of Joe Ryan for pretty much what you're saying about he has a good floor. Um, the Twins are letting him go deeper into games, which is nice. It's a really good fastball. Um, and if that slider, I mean, that's really what I was saying entering last year was I know the four-seamer is good. Is the slider good enough? And we saw signs of it, as you're mentioning, of that slider really taking a step forward. There's one major problem right now for Joe Ryan, which I actually think is the legitimate uh, fix that needs to happen. I mean, yes, it could just be the slider fixing this. But against lefties, he features mm-hmm. a changeup uh, 23% of the time, and the slider is just 3%. There's a curveball, it's 11%. 
57% strike rate. It's just a show me your typical, oh, you're a lefty. I can throw a curveball in an OO count for free real estate. That's what that is. The changeup is the actual secondary pitch. It's just a 20% CSW, 52% strike rate. And you're throwing a, a pitch about a quarter of the time with a 52% strike rate. That's not going to do good things for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to get behind accounts. You're going to have at least low CSW, right? 20% CSW. It, that needs to change. Something needs to f- be figured out here, no pun intended. It could be the slider. I, I think this is this is something I'm trying to encourage openly that nobody, of course, will listen to who's actually in the majors. But you know what I mean? I want I'm going to will it into the universe that you see more guys who are fastball focused throw their sliders to the opposite handedness and actually mm-hmm. work diligently to get that pitch down and in to be a back uh, foot slider. I, I think that, especially with this new pitch that Ryan is working on, we've seen it with Andrew Heaney, down and in sliders to right-handers. Yep. Yep. Why can't he do this, right? DeGrom, we talk about how good he is. Look at the precision of that slider to lefties. That's mm-hmm. what he, we wanted to see from Joe Ryan. So that could be the nullifier. Again, it could just be the slider to lefties. But he has to, has to figure something out here. The four-seamer is overall a really good pitch. I think it overperformed a little last year, 189 BABIP on uh, the four-seamer to lefties. But it was a 182 expected average anyway, 163 actual. So lots of things to like here. Joe Ryan in a good situation in Minnesota. I, I think of him as a high floor with a possible ceiling guy. You can get, as you mentioned, 12th round. I love it every time. Yeah. The last thing I'll say, too, is... <coughs> oh, my God. Are you okay? Very are you dying? <laughs> I muted the mic fast. I, <laughs> Did I you? Held- I, yes, I held in a cough for a long time. Why did I hear it? If you muted the mic, you did you actually hear it? Yes, it was oh, so man. loud. It was. <laughs> I'm scared. Wait, I've no. never heard you cough. Did never heard you cough on the mute? broadcast. No, I, I have tell a whole. Me you're recording this. I am recording. Of course, we're keeping this in. I have a thing that I do to turn off my mic. Okay, I'm going to talk right now. Can you yeah. hear me now? Can you hear yes, me at all? I can't. Yes, really. I can. Yeah. Oh no! Oh, Something got messed up. Okay. You just gave Good everyone COVID. You just gave everyone COVID, <laughs> which which brings me back to the Joe Ryan part of the conversation. I was holding on a call um, the entire time there, and I was so happy I escaped. I put on my mute button and I let it I'm out. So ex- yeah. <laughs> I am deafened. so sorry, everybody. These are the things I normally do professionally, I think, and tech let me down today. They can't hear you. You deafened them with the cough. Yeah. Um, right. oh, the God. last thing about Joe Ryan was that he did mo- most of his time that he missed, if I recall correctly, was not due to injury. It was due to COVID. Um, and I believe that as a result, I'm taking the over on every single uh, innings pitch projection on him. The highest is 166. Um, I-, I think he can. I think he can go higher than that. Um, all right. Let's move on to number thirty-eight. A kind of another fun name. Uh, I started the last one, so I'll. You, I can start again. Do you want me to start, or do you want to start with Tristan McKenzie? I uh, no. I want you to go again, and I want to test right now. Hi, I'm talking. Yeah. Now you're not talking. Yes, I fixed it. it. Yeah. So sorry, everyone. It. I apologize. Please so, ask. Lead the way with Tristan McKenzie. 
We saw a great jump in innings, showed he could come close to 200 as he went from 120 to 191. The K rate dropped about two ticks, but the swing strike rate took a small step forward to about 13%. So it wouldn't surprise me if the Ks came back up a little bit. I used to have a lot of, the problem I had with McKenzie was the splits, especially against lefties, but he increased the slider percent to a career high 14% against lefties. Not a lot. Um, And for good reason, it didn't really go that well. Um, against lefties. He took his four-seamer. He made it work lower in the zone. He brought it arm side to lefties a bit more, which is kind of interesting. Maintained the above-average amount of carry that he gets, but he kind of increased the overall low location on the pitch and improved the Woba on it, which is interesting. Kind of doing the, the Shane Bieber there, which makes sense. Like They, they like to bring their four-seamers low because it sets up their breaker a little bit in, in Cleveland, I think. He brought his walk down, a walk rate down tremendously. I mean, literally like cut it in half. And he increased the zone rates on his four-seamer and his slider a lot. Uh, I mean, 48 to 54% in the four-seamer, 34 to 4 to 3% on, on the slider. And the four-seamer improved. I mean, the swing strike rate improved. The WOBA improved. The home run to fly ball rate improved. Um, I thought maybe like, okay, well, maybe McKenzie had more success because he beat up on a lot of guys in his division. But he actually did better outside of the AL Central than he did inside oh, man. the AL Central, which is interesting. Um, I don't think it's fair to say that the BABIP is going to regress considering the fact that he's always been a low BABIP guy. Obviously, 80% left on base rate is tough to sustain. Same with the home run to five ball rate. Um, it is also a bit odd to see how much success he's able to have with his relatively low CSW, low fastball velocity, and good amount of hard contact that he gave up. Uh, and it is worth noting that he had the second highest difference between his WOBA and his ex-WOBA. But I think his ability to adequately throw low in the zone could mean that he can sustain that he's not Bieber, but it is Bieber like in the way that he approaches hitters. So I think overall, then if I, I made like a small projection for him um, overall, I think he can do 185, 190 innings again. I think he can give you a mid to low three ERA, probably around three, four, five with a good whip too, like a, like a sub one fifteen whip. And because of that, if he can increase that K rate a little bit and get you anywhere from 190, 195 strikeouts, that's, that's nice. I mean, there, there are some guys there in the, in the injury tier that that might be a little bit better than. I think Tristan McKenzie is a trap. It's a trap. Yeah. I, I, I think this is a trap. Um, I think his fastball is not as good as we want it to be. A lot of hard contact uh, on that pitch um, against lefties, 29%, but even more against righties, 36%. Oh boy. Um, and I, I'm not, I'm just not as big of a fan of that four seamer as I want to be. Like when you think of him, you think, oh, okay, he's f- fastball first and then the secondary pitches. Um, I do not buy this little whip. Uh, 6.5 hit per nine just seems out of whack to me. 238 BABIP is a 267 expected BABIP. Um, against the lefties, the expected average was supposed to be about 40 points higher. Um, it's 50 points on the BABIP as well. The slider was introduced by Tristan McKenzie to lefties, and it was so inconsistent. Um I don't really think it's that good of a pitch against them. Average allowed was 350, 459. Woba just in the results of it. Um, decent amount of hard contact. Curveball is still, it's good. It's inconsistent as well, though. Um, I don't think he really nails it as much as I really want him to. He did have a lot of success against lefties last year. Um, and righties, I mean, it 
destroyed them. <laughs> I mean, a few mm. balls in play, but we're talking a 0.49 batting average allowed, uh, which is just insane. But that's because there weren't many that were in play. Like 37 of the 61 total batters face were just on strikeouts because of how he uses it. He bounces the thing a lot. Um, and that's fine. And that's I'm, I'm okay with that. But he focuses mostly in two strike counts and then he bounces them a ton. And then that's why you see those averages like that, right? Yeah. So it's a super reliance on the fastball to get him there. And I'm glad it worked this year. By the way, 36% put away rate on the curveball, which you know. Woo! He's not going to stick around. I mean, That's the league tough. average is 18%. Yeah. In 2021, that was 23% for his curveball. If you buy that's going to stick around, go ahead. Sure. I'm not going to. So when you, when you look at the, the four-seamer, it's just not enough. And the slider, too inconsistent, as I mentioned. It makes for an overperforming year um, overall. And... One thing I will mention about Tristan McKenzie, though, from the plus side, one of the few guys that I care about best shape of his life. And the reason for that is we all know how skinny this guy is. Yeah. And generally, when it comes to pitchers, why um, weight does matter in some fashion is its strength. And more strength as a pitcher equates to stability and consistency. So if... Tristan McKenzie, which I imagine they're doing, is on a weight program um, over time. These are one of those things that if he does get the leg strength that we think he should be getting over time, that could actually make him more consistent on pitches like a slider or locate better with this fastball. That could be a thing. So if I see in spring training that Tristan McKenzie, best shape of his life, and he added 10 pounds of whatever, like that's actually something that could represent itself this year. I'm not saying that all of a sudden he goes on my draft boards, but there are, that is something to note, I believe, with Tristan McKenzie this year. I don't think he can get away with having a 6% walk rate again. I think the fastball is just going to get hit. So you I can't I'm keep getting out. away with it. I'm personally out on it. Yeah. All right. We got two more uh, that we should get to because there's some good talks to be had for both, including number 40, who I think we're both out on, we said. But before we get into 40, number 39 is Chris Bassett. Um, so we have a new tier, you know, by the way. Oh, yeah. What's the, what's the new tier? Real I'm quick. What's the new tier? Believable. I know. Come on. We got to get you. We got to get this you is the ball. The, the elephant caravan. Okay. Like from like from like from Civ. Sure. <laughs> because it's plodding along, but it's a fun ride. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, that that is well said. Um, I did think it was interesting that Chris Bassett has never put up an ERA over four. Uh, I mean, <laughs> he's only had two innings pitch totals over 150. The thing that stuck out to me about Chris Bassett, there's a lot, but again, we got to get you to the ball, is he could not get left-handers out mm. last year. The WOBA on his sinker from lefties went from 329 to 429 last year, and that can't stick around which means that it should theoretically get better. He's got, I don't think he's been a guy who's really struggled with that in the past. Um, So I do think that if he can figure out a way to get lefties out better, we can see him have theoretically a a better year than he had last year. Uh, I mean, you know, it wasn't by any stretch of the imagination terrible. It was a 342 ERA, but like, I think if he can figure out that lefty issue, the ERA can get closer towards the 315 range uh, and the K rate, more importantly, can come closer to 25%. I don't think he'll repeat the numbers he put up in 2021, but 
I am taking the under on every single projection on Chris Bassett that's happening. Uh, this is also a guy who are, they're moving the fences out in Toronto, correct? In, in, in. Oh, but in. higher. In, yeah. but higher. Yeah. So actually, because Derek Hardy mentioned, uh, he was like, everyone needs to chill on the fact that this is going to be drastically beneficial um, mm. because the wall height could theoretically make it almost negligible. But anyway, what are your thoughts on Chris Bassett? 37% CSW on sinkers against lefties. So I know the world is high, but 37% CSW. Was that all called strikes though? Uh, 30% so, yes. Oh and my God. Yeah. I, so I understand the woe, but being like, Hey, what's well, mm, not great. 80 batters faced total on it. Mm. Um, so I'm not too worried about it. Um, meanwhile, the cutter was so well located against lefties up and in unbelievably. So 189 batting average allowed. I, uh, you had a 68% strike rate on that 18% swing strike rate. It was lovely. Um, the slider wasn't really utilized too much. The curveball worked enough. 61% strike rate, 31% CSW, only a 6% hard contact rate. We love that curveball, by the way, from Chris Bassett. He has this change up he throws. Stop doing it. Cool. Great. Thanks. Just just stop. Just stop doing that. Uh, that would be wonderful. The way I see it with Chris Bassett, he's on a winning ball club with the Jays. Uh, he doesn't allow many home runs in the first place doesn't walk many guys. I don't really think the, the K rate should get much different. Maybe the slider becomes a bigger deal. Um, maybe the curveball gets used a little bit more. But he's really good. The 342 ERA, honestly, he had this really bad stretch for a moment last year. Uh, it's, it's essentially, um, let's see, 19 earned runs in four games, 23 and five. Uh, that was between May and June. And it felt weird that he was near a four ERA at the time and then the end of the season at 342. Mm. Uh, Chris Bass is really good. He's a sturdy rock. I would love to have him. Those that are jumping to get Framber Valdez, I'll get Chris Bassett later. Mm. Interesting. Um, all right. The last guy uh, that we hinted at that we think we might both be out on uh, is Robbie Ray. The, the, the quick TLDR for me is one of the things that I think led to him having the success was, was, was that velocity, right? Mm. Um, and that obviously went by the wayside and there was a great article by former pitchers employee, Michael Hedo about, um, the fact that if you're going to not be relying on that velocity, you're going to be relying on command, right? And the command is poor from Robbie Ray. It always really has been right. And that's why that velo was so big for him because he can kind of blow up past guys a little bit, have a little bit more success with the swing and miss. He introduced this sinker last year and it was, uh, okay. Okay. I mean, the sinker no, returned a good I, amount I of whiffs to righties, but yeah, it was, it was, it was not that great. It got hit really, it got some whiffs. The swing strike rate on it was above average. I think it's a terrible sinker. <laughs> so that's the thing that, I mean, like he goes arm side with it. It tails over the heart of the plate, righties smash it. So listen, if I'm not hearing that Ray's velocity is improved, what, what, what happens? I, I don't know. You, you want to know how good Ray's sinker is? Mm. Ask Jordan Alvarez. Oh, um, so, oh my God. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, Jeez. command, I actually wouldn't say is a bad thing for Robbie Ray. The fact that he gets his fastball in the zone well enough, it's it's a very good four-seamer, even though it had the drop in velocity. Guess what? It jumped in swing strike rate last year from 12.8 to 14.4%. And same amount of strikes and lowered its hard contact rate down to 24%. I, the 
the conflict I have with Robbie Ray is I don't think the sinker is good. I think in some ways it overperformed last year. It correlated with his success, the introduction of that pitch. Um, I do wonder if the velocity is going to fall again for Robbie Ray. And the reason he's mm-hmm. here and supposed to higher up is because I think the peak is we're going down the mountain now. Uh, so he's lower. I will say, though, 200 strikeouts plus last year, 212. He had over 200 in 2021. And I could be undervaluing that. And I really wrestled with this. Like, how bad do I think it's going to get from last year for Robbie Ray? But if he just goes out there and does four-seamer slider and figures that out again without a dip in velocity, I mean, yeah, you're seeing a top 30 pitcher again. So I'm okay going after Robbie Ray because you're going to get strikeouts if you have some much more stable ratio guys paired with, like Chris Bassett and Robbie Ray combined. Oh, that's actually pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm cool with that. But I also think that Robbie Ray is going to go higher than when I would go off and get him. So I'm likely out on Ray, but I don't think it's going to be like a 4 ERA and a 125 whip or something. I think mm-hmm. you're going to see like a 3-8 with a 116. And like it's that sounds really good, but that doesn't really incorporate. I mean, that's just a projection. That's not really the actual end all um, or end result. So I... Uh, if you want to go after Ray, by all means, it might be a little bit hectic. I, I will. I, I should really mention that he will go deep into games. The Mariners will say, mm. "You want 100 pitches? Go ahead." And there is value in that, of course. Um, so I, I it might sound like I don't know what to feel about this ranking, and you're exactly right. I don't know how to feel about this ranking. <laughs> um, so we'll see if it sticks like this or not. Um, come February seventh. But, yeah, I mean, Robbie Ray's good. It's just, uh, is he going to allow a 17, 18% homer fly ball rate again? Is he going to allow all those home runs? I don't know. He's don't he's know. he's going as the 28th SP off the board right now in NFBC. And that's where I'm kind of like. Yeah, that I can't do. Well, that's because of strikeouts. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, and I get that. George- For NFBC was 15-teamer. There's a bigger emphasis of finding the guys that are strikeouts because A, that's a weekly league. Sure. Um, and B, deeper league also puts a higher emphasis on that. But George Kirby is going right behind him. And so is Luis Severino and Hunter Green and Nestor Cortez and yeah. Blake Snell, Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, I mean, um, I would in a deeper league, I'd put more emphasis on Robbie Ray. Hmm. I think that's All understood. Right. Nick, we did it. We got through number 31. Well, actually, really 30 through 40. Uh, I know. And there's a guy that everyone knows. Like, wait, Nick, you didn't mention this guy. I'm like, I know. I debated with him at 40, but we ran out of time. We'll talk about him next time. There's a few, few good guys. Uh, You also probably need to finish 41 through 50. Um, (laughs) All right. I have like up to 43 right now. Okay. (laughs) All right. Great. Uh, That's going to do it for episode number 369 of On the Court of the Official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast. And I'm Nick Pollock. We'll talk to you guys next week.